Praise God. We've uh, always been talking about getting God's Word uh, deeply planted within our spirits and how God's words and His commandments, God's words and His commandments need to become a daily part of our lives. Uh, not just on Sunday, but every single day of the week, every waking moment. At some point, we should be thinking and reflecting on the things of God. God has given to us a privilege that the animals don't have, and that is the ability to communicate with him, to pray to him. Okay, as intelligent as animals may be, various species of animals, regardless of how intelligent they may be, they do not have the ability to communicate with God. They do not have the ability to pray to God. Animals do not have the slightest cognizance or awareness of, uh, of God. You know, they, they, they say animals can be intelligent, they can be doing this, they can be doing that, but animals do not have a relationship with God. So we have a privilege there to be able to pray to Him and to be able to operate in His Word. In these challenging times, we need to understand prayer in order to keep the devil out of our lives and out of our thoughts. We know that the devil is expert at planting thoughts. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians ten. Second Corinthians ten, starting with verse number one. Okay, Second Corinthians ten, starting with verse number one. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am, am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. Please underline that. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after, fle- after the flesh. In other words, while we are in these physical beings, the war, the, the war and things that we have is not against physical beings. Okay? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay? So underline or highlight all of verse number 5 there. Casting down imaginations or thoughts and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay? The warfare that we have going on in this world, and we've talked about this many times, is not against fleshly or not against people, so to speak. Okay? But it's against spiritual realities that exist in this world. Amen. So our warfare is not of this world. It is divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. You know, we being children of God, we have a power with us through the spoken word of God that can, that can pull down these fortresses, can destroy these, these things and casting down these imaginations. Those fortresses are things that have been built up in our lives. If you've got something in your life that is giving you a particularly hard time, you've got a habit that you can't break, or you're a person that just continually worries, worry worries all of the time then that could be developing into a fortress or a stronghold 
Because as your mind is going through the ruminations and thinking about whatever this thing is that you're dwelling on, it can become a fortress and a stronghold in your life. That is, if you have a stronghold, which is a deeply embedded habit, as I said, or a worry pattern. Remember last week we talked about, about, uh, about how you can have the uh, poison faith, and that is you wind up becoming a person that expects things to go wrong, so therefore you have more faith in things going wrong in your life than faith in God that things will go right in your life. Okay, well you can develop all sorts of habits and patterns that can wind up becoming a stronghold in your life. Okay, that poison faith can become a stronghold where it's almost like impossible for you to break through it. You can pull it down and you can destroy and destroy those strongholds, those bad habits, those bad thoughts, those annoying things that just keep resurfacing in your life. You can pull them down and destroy it by appropriating the powerful spiritual warfare in Jesus Christ that is ours in Christ. Amen. We destroy vain imaginations, as it said, which are speculations and every lofty thought, every high thought that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. By casting down any thought that does not line up with the word of God or what we know of the Son of God. Okay? So those thoughts, those imaginations, imagination is anything that you're dwelling on. You know, imagination does not only have to be concerning Disney and Walt Disney World. You know, imagination is anything that you're dwelling on that you're just thinking is going to go wrong or that you're worrying about going wrong. Okay? And at that particular point in time, the devil plants thoughts in your mind. See, you're not going to succeed. Everything that you've been praying for has been working so far, but look now all of a sudden, boom, things are going to fall apart and it's not going to work out for you. And you're sitting down, you're thinking about that, you know, someone you were praying for, you thought it was coming along, and boom, all of a sudden that blows up and the devil says, you see what I mean? You know, you've been praying amiss. You see, God doesn't hear what you're saying. It's just a waste of time because now this is going to happen, this is going to go wrong. These are imaginations, alright? Alright? Because you are not physically in that place. You can be sitting on your chair, we eating dinner, you could be lying there in bed, you could be watching Watching TV, and that's when these thoughts hit you, hit you, hit you. You know, many times, most likely, you know, these kind of thoughts, these kind of troubling thoughts, don't necessarily come about when you're talking to someone, okay, or when you're in a party, let's say, or when you're when you're communicating with someone, you're talking and you're doing something. These thoughts don't often don't often hit you. They hit you during your quiet time. They hit you when you're in your quiet space. Like I said, watching TV, lying in bed, in the car by yourself. That's when these imaginations hit you. You see, and and so much. There's so much evidence of this in the real world because how many people do you know, and we all know someone like this, how many people do you all know that, do not, that cannot stand to be by themselves? They're constantly around other people. There's always people in their house, or they're always going to be with other people. You see, you know, a lot of times these are the, are the, the party mongers. These are the partiers. You know, many times these are the hard drinkers, even, okay, because that time that they're alone, these imaginations come in, okay, and their minds start wandering. If they're active and they're around other people and they're constantly talking and talking and talking, they have no time to reflect, you see. So many times there are people that do not like, cannot stand to be alone because these imaginations start hitting start hitting them, you see. So what the Bible is saying is you've got to pull down those thoughts because what those thoughts are doing is they are exalting themselves or lifting themselves up above the Word of God, okay. Because God says that you shouldn't be having these troublesome thoughts. The Word of God says that you shouldn't be carrying around these worries. God says that you should not be listening to these seeds of doubt. Remember we talked about doubt last week, the, the, the agent which winds up poisoning your faith? We should not be imagining and entertaining these thoughts of doubt, okay? Because this is exalting itself against the Word of God. 
God says, no, you don't do that. Those imaginations that are giving you so much discomfort are against the word of God. All right? God will not have anything that you're thinking about and, and dreaming about and imagining about pertaining to God are pleasant thoughts. They're wonderful thoughts, you know. They, they, you know. You know, sometimes when I'm tossing and can't get to sleep at night and I pull down those thoughts and whatnot, I actually, I start envisioning what heaven might look like and then I couple that with, with uh, pictures of the universe that I see from NASA and things like that and think about how God must be out there and how that works and those wonderful thoughts give me such peace and such joy just laying there thinking about that. Wow, you know, how, you know that cluster, that nucleus that they just discovered out in, in, in Absalom Minor, you know, you know, is God there? And I'm not picturing how that could be. And those thoughts then just calm me right down. You see, so it's imaginations. It's what you are imagining. Okay. So it says there that, that by casting out any thought that does not line up with the Word of God or what we know of Jesus Christ. So those thoughts that are giving you a hard time, that does not line up with the Word of God. It does not. We take the thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That is, we take that thought, we capture that thought. And we march that thought, in our minds, sort of, so to speak, we march that thought that you've captured, okay, before you can act upon it, okay? Because how many know you realize that you can start thinking on something and then eventually if you mull on it and think on it long enough, you wind up acting on it. You wind up behaving the way that thought is making you uh, think, amen? So you capture that thought and, and you, you sort of put it in change and you march it right before Jesus Christ, who is our commander-in-chief. Okay, you bring that thought to Jesus. You say, Jesus, I've got this thought that's saying I'm going to fail. You know, this thought that I'm not going to, you know, the thing that I'm praying for is not going to work up and it work out. In the name of Jesus, I bind up that thought. Lord Jesus, I'm bringing it to you. Kind of picture yourself like in the army there. You've got this thought in front of you all chained up. You're marching him at gunpoint, so to speak. You're marching right to Jesus and you're saying, Jesus, take this thought. Take this thought because I'm capturing this thought and I'm putting it down. I'm taking this thought and I'm in the name of Jesus. I'm wrapping it up in chains and Lord Jesus, I'm marching this thought under captivity. I'm giving him to you, Lord, commander in chief, Lord Jesus. You take that thought. You pull it down. Don't let it stay there running around in your head. Don't let that imagination continue to be an imagination. Because the more you imagine it and dwell on it, then you wind up either acting it out or winds up having a physical reaction in your body. Through palpitations, you know, through sweating or whatever it might be. Amen. So you want to pull it down. We ask him to crucify the thought and by faith we thank him for doing so. Then you continue your walk in faith. Amen. So after you've taken that thought to Jesus that you've captured, you said, okay, Jesus, Jesus, you take that thought and you crucify it. You deal with it because I'm going to move on. Okay? You say, Jesus, you take this thought that I was wrestling with, I've given it to you, and now, Jesus, I don't care. Okay? I don't care, which means that I'm not going to care about or worry about. I don't care because I know that you care for me. And Lord Jesus, the word says, you said, to cast all my cares upon God because he cares for me. Okay? So that is your counter. That's your pulling down that thought. That's how you pull and you bring that thought under captivity because that thought is trying to exalt itself against the word of God. Okay? The thought that's troubling you is trying to say that that thought is greater than God, is greater than the word of God. Amen? So that's what the scripture says when that thing is exalting itself above what the word says. Amen? 
Amen. So you take, take the whole thing into prayer then. Um, a great, that sounds like a great truth. All of that really sounds good, but how does it work? It starts with the fear or the negative thought that comes into mind, which again, as I said, is counter to or is against the word of God. You have to grab that thought, as I said, by quoting scripture, what God says about it. And for instance, like that fear thing, again, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You wouldn't believe how much power that particular scripture has over things that happen in our lives because so many things that come into our lives by way by way of these imaginations that exalt itself against God what what it really brings us into is a state of fear because we fear that something is not going to work out for us we fear that something that we're praying for and praying about all of a sudden is not going to work so all of a sudden you get that fear you get frightened so right away to pull it one of the things that would pull it back down is just say that thought or that imagination is not going to exalt itself above the word of God because the word of God says that, 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 that God has not given me a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. Okay? Because that spirit of fear is indeed trying to, trying to work its way into your life. Okay? Grab the thought and you pull it down. And then you go into prayer for the whole situation. Now, of course, the prayer thing is very, very, very important. Let's go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 6. Okay, and, and again, this gets into the whole armor of God. Because you can see here how this is indeed... Uh, it is indeed spiritual uh, spiritual warfare, okay? Because you know th- this whole warfare that we that we're in, and when we say that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, um, in a way, a flesh and blood warfare would be a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. Amen. Because you could see the individual, amen, amen. You could see the individual and you could deal with him. You know, whatever weaponry that you needed, you could certainly deal with it if the person, if it was a flesh and blood war, but it's not, okay. And the battlefield is, it starts right here in our minds, between our ears. Again, that's why these scriptures we are about to read, it's so, the word of God, it just t- ties so beautifully together, where it says, casting down those of those imaginations, because the battlefield is so much in the mind. So in Ephesians 6, um, we'll read these very familiar scriptures. Let's start with verse number 10. Ephesians 6, verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So either highlight that whole verse or underline it. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Let me just pause just for a moment and back to verse number 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Um... I'm assuming that we all here believe that God is God. And we know how powerful God is. I'm assuming that everyone realizes and knows that, that, that God is the ultimate power. There's nothing greater than, than he. Okay? And therefore what this is saying, be strong in the power of the Lord. Uh, the strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You, you have to be strong um, 
convicted is the better word. Be convicted and knowing uh, that you understand and believe in the power of God and in God's might. So if you believe, you really, 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 really believe that God is, has the ultimate power and you are his child, okay, then you should really, 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 really believe that God's power is greater um, in you than anything that's in the world or anything that the devil can throw at you. All right, so verse number 11 goes on to say then, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And underlining the word wiles there, because wiles means the tricks, means his strategies, it means his deviousness, any such word as deviousness, it means that uh, um, uh, he, he's tricky and he's sneaky, alright? So put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to, to stand or resist or overcome the tricks of the, of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There it is. Please underline. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness, underline darkness, rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay? Spiritual wickedness in high places. Alright? And this is where the, the thoughts come from. This is where those, those thoughts that, 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 that try to exalt itself against the word of God. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done, done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the, uh, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so we see there where it talks so much about standing. Um, verse number 13, wherefore, take unto you the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Stand means that you shouldn't be whimpering, you shouldn't be wavering, you know. When you've got that problem or that issue that come into life come into life, you know, so many times people feel like, oh gee, I don't even want to get out of bed you know, or wake up Monday morning or whatever day that is and you start thinking about the issues and the things that are going on and you say, oh gee, I don't even, wish I didn't have to get up this morning to face the music, you know. Gee was I wish I could just, I wish I could just. And then when you do get up, then you're kind of dragging around the house and your thoughts are all over the place because you're worried about whatever it is. Now understand what's happening there, okay? Understand what's happening. The devil has placed a thought in your mind. That thought has become an imagination, because now you're dwelling on that thought and you're thinking about it, okay? And what you're doing in your mind's eye, you're playing out how the whole day is going to go or you're playing out how those circumstances or whatever it is that you've been praying for or someone you've been praying about or praying for, you're playing out in your mind how negatively and how wrong this whole thing is going to go and how bad it's going to be. So that thought now has turned into an imagination because now you're dwelling on this thing. And, and the interesting thing about imagination is that when you're thinking about about that thing in, in, in your life that you're praying about and you're worried about going wrong is that that thought becomes a mental picture if you stop and think about it and you can almost picture what is going to happen negatively in a bad way you know where before you were picturing and dreaming about how it would look in a positive situation the thing that you're praying about how it will, will look when it turns out in a good way well when that thought turns into an imagination you wind up thinking about and picturing in your mind how it's going to look in a bad way you know you're going to see you're going to see yourself looking all downcast and everything all gee and all broken and so on and whatever things or other people were involved you 
imagining how their faces are going to look when they find out and when they hear. You play out the whole scenario in your mind, okay? So that's an imagination that now has, from a thought, has become an imagination and you're dwelling on it. But what does he say that the Word of God says? It says to stand. Okay, first of all, beware of the wiles of the devil, of his tricks, knowing, first of all, that that thought that is now turning into an imagination, which is your doing, that's on you. The imagination part is on you, but that thought is one of his tricks, one of his wiles that he's planted there. Okay, because again, if this was a flesh and blood war, if you saw him in flesh and blood, you'd know he was the devil and you'd be able to fight him off. Okay, he doesn't work that way. He does it, does it in another way. Okay, that bad news or that, that thought will come either someone will call you on the phone thank God for friends right they always call hello oh I guess what I heard <laughs> you know a family member or whatever but you hear you get a phone call or you may get a, get something in the mail you know whatever but that thought will somehow it'll be, be planted not in a way that's that's direct on in your face the way a human being would do it but in some wild, some roundabout way all of a sudden that thought gets planted that these things you've been praying about and hoping for is not going to work then you start dwelling or you start imagining where God says to stand though okay because what do we do we pull down that thought because the, the word of God says that God didn't give me the spirit of fear, okay? The word of God says that Jesus overcame the devil. So you've got all of these, these scriptures here, here that can help you to bring that thought under, under captivity. But you've got to stand in that. You, you, you've got to be firm in it, okay? You, you, if you know what the word of God says today... You can't let what you know about the Word of God disappear or slip away from you tomorrow if something bad comes your direction. Or if you get some disappointing news about something. You've got to stand on what the Word of God says. Okay? Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Okay? Uh, verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Okay? In the evil day. That's when that bad thing starts materializing in your life. Okay? And in your thought life. And having done all to Stand, stand. Therefore, having your lords, the lords girded about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, so we, we, we can't we can't wiffle wobble back and forth. The word of God says also that a, that a uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Amen. Double-minded means that one day I'm up, the next day I'm down. One day I'm up, the next day I'm down. One day I'm believing the word of God, the next day I'm doubting the word of God. Okay, and you start doubting the word of God when things don't start going your way. Many times that's when we start doubting the word of God okay and again that's a wild or it's a strategy it's a trick of Satan to keep you off your guard to keep you off balance just like we read last week in Genesis 3 what did he say to Eve you know about, about eating the fruit did God really say you would die if you ate again you see planting planting that doubt there okay let's go to um, 1 Timothy thank you Jesus 1 Timothy uh Two. One Timothy two, verse sixteen. One two. Uh oh, wait a minute. Got a typo here. Um, yep, got a typo there. Oh, this is wrong verse. Don't don't want to use that one. I'm sorry. Go to Matthew seven. Sorry. Matthew 7. This is Bible practicing, flipping from book to book. <laughs> Praise God. Matthew 7. 
Okay. And part of the thing here, as you're, you're growing there, um, in order for us to be able to stand and to know when the Word of God, or to remember that the Word of God is what God says it's all about, and how powerful the Word of God is, and the whole time that we're going through this imagination process and trying to fight off these imaginations, again, we need to be able to be praying through this whole thing. You know, you can't do this by yourself. And prayer is the one thing that keeps us motivated. Prayer is the one thing that keeps us in, in touch with God. That keeps him, you know, in touch with God. We can, you know, we, we don't have a problem in texting other people and so forth like that. Even, I think people are calling people less, being that text messaging is so, so prevalent these days, you know. But our way of texting God, so to speak, or communicating with God is through prayer. Amen. So Matthew 7, verse number 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asks, receive, and he that seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Okay? So first of all, you've got to ask, and it shall be given you. If you seek, and you knock, it shall be opened. But how many times when we've got these imaginations going on in our lives, and we forget about returning to basics, and that is going into prayer, because somehow we start thinking that we can manage and handle it ourselves. You know, you know, when that, that when that troublesome thing pops up or that wild, that trick of the devil comes into your life. How many times do you think about going into prayer first and foremost is getting into prayer. You see, a lot of times we don't have things because we don't we don't ask and we don't seek and we don't knock. You see, many times God would be just almost waiting and wanting you to just to seek him out, to ask him. So he can give you the answer so he can help you, you see. But the longer you hold off doing that, then a lot of times then, you know, almost like the song, that's when God steps in. Okay, and he wants to step in, but many times God may be wanting you to seek him and to ask him. Okay, but you can't do it yourself. You can't do it yourself, all right. Without God, you're no match for the devil. Without Jesus Christ, without Holy Spirit, you are no match for the devil, you see. But if you forget to ask, or you just don't care to ask, or whatever, I can't imagine any Christian not caring to ask. But you've got, it's got to be just as much a habit for you to go to God in prayer to ask for things as it does for you brushing your teeth in the morning, or getting dressed in the morning. It should be second nature. Something comes into your life, an imagination, you know, a thought that popped in your head now becomes an imagination and you've got the worst scenario playing out in your life, in your mind. When are you going to stop and say, oh boy, I think I better go to the Lord with this because to me it's getting worse and worse. I don't see a way out. Okay, how many of us, you know, do that? But it says to ask, it shall be given you, seek, you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be opened. Now, if you ever read that Bible, these words are in red, meaning that this is Jesus saying that. Okay, and again, it goes back to what I said before, for how much do you really, really believe that what the word of God says is true, okay, and that God is all-powerful. Now, in the first place, in the very, very basic thing, talking about remembering basics and whatnot, if you don't believe that God is who he says he is, then I really feel very sorry for you because that means that your life must be miserable. Because every single time something comes up, you wind up worrying about it because you don't believe that God can bring you through it. You don't believe that God can give you the finances. If I give to God, you don't believe that God will certainly bless me and give back to me. I won't have to worry about a bill. I won't have to worry about anything. Okay? Okay? So the more you hold on to something and the more you don't ask God, then that means that questions and things 
possibly will not be answered for you, okay? Everyone that seeks, everyone that's, uh, verse number 8 again, for everyone that asks, receive, he that seeks, finds, and to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Or what man, or what man is there, is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? Okay? So just think about that. If you have children, if you have a loved one, even if you have a pet, you know, would you give that pet or that person something that would be bad for him? Amen? Amen? If, if, if someone that you knew asked you for something to eat, you know, would you give that person a stone? Verse number 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good things unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to him that asks? Okay? To them that ask. You see? So how much more will your Father in heaven give to you? You know? You've got to believe that God loves you. You've got to believe that. That's one of the basic things of being a God-loving Christian is to understand and believe that God loves you. And if God loves you, he's not going to see you going through difficulties. You know, he's not going to let you starve. He's not going to let you go penniless. He's not going to let you go without a roof over your head. He, he, he's not going to let you go through situations that he cannot get you out of. Amen? Verse number... Um, Therefore, verse number 12, therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law uh, of the prophets. And that's basically do unto others as you would have them do, do unto you. Amen. So we see there where God is, God is encouraging you. Jesus, in this case, is encouraging you to seek God and to ask him in prayer. And then in Matthew 6, if you go back, he gives us a model prayer. And go back to Matthew 6, verse number... Um, so it's verse number 3. And go to verse number 2. Okay. Therefore... When thou doest thine alms, that's when you're doing your giving and things like that, giving and being charitable to others. Do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Okay, so if you're doing something good, don't go bragging about it, talking about it, just to make other people think, oh gosh, what a, what a giving, charitable person he or she is, you know. Okay, uh, but when you do your alms, or when you do your giving, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth that thine alms may be in secret for thy father which sees in secret himself shall reward thee openly so this is not only the giving of money but it's doing good things for people or for things you're doing you're doing the good things you're doing the right things you don't have to go bragging to men about look at what I did God knows what you did and God is the one that will reward you men can't reward you and men men won't reward you as a matter of fact many times if you're doing something good verse number five and when thou Thou prayest, thou shalt not be as hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing on the, in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So again, what Jesus is just simply saying there is don't be like the hypocrites again trying to impress people, standing out in the open and doing all this prayer, or, or you're just telling everybody, 
everybody. Oh, I'm going to prayer time now and trying to look so great in the eyes of men. But when you're praying, just do so in secretly because God knows what God knows that you're praying. You know, and, and not only that, but it gives you a chance to get away from the distractions of other things. Amen. So don't be like the hypocrites worrying about you want people to think you're such a great person because you're praying all the time. This is a communication between you and God. It should be should be one on one, very personal. Verse number eight. It continues. Be not you therefore like unto them, for your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask Him. Now put a highlight or a bracket around that, because God knows what you what you need. You know, God knows what you have what you have a uh, have a need for. You, you see, so so you don't have to to worry about that. But God wants us to seek His face in prayer. After this manner, therefore, pray you, Our Father which art in heaven, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, this is called a model prayer because Jesus is not saying that um, this is the only prayer that you should pray. Okay? He's not saying that at all. You know, and many times when we're children and we're with our moms and dads and they're teaching us to pray and encouraging us to pray, they may walk us through this prayer and that's fine. But that is not to say that is the only way that you can pray. Jesus is saying that this is a model because it starts off with him um, um, uh, hallowing uh, God's name, which is what we should be with, with uh, when our first step in prayer. You know, when we are praying here, we go through a praise time where you're praising God. You're letting God know how much you love him and how holy he is and so on. And then it steps you through it. You're asking for provisions. Give us this day our daily bread. These are the things that you may need in, in life or whatever it is that's on your mind. And then you're asking, uh, asking God to forgive your sins uh, uh, as you forgive other people and things like that. Because you have to. You have to make sure that you're forgiving other people. So this is, this is a model prayer simply. But the point is here to help with those imaginations and pulling down those thoughts is that you have to know how to pray to God. You have to know that that thought is now saying something to you that is counter to the word of God. And that this is not what God has uh, you know, intended me to believe or to follow. Uh, a couple of more scriptures here. Romans 8. I love Romans 8 because it has so much good stuff in it. Romans 8 and okay now this is about praying in the spirit here Uh, Romans 8 verse number 14 for as many as are led by the spirit of God they are sons of God Okay, or daughters. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Again, there's that we have not received the spirit of fear. Again, that spirit of fear includes anxiety, stress, worry, um, fear of man. You know, how many people here realize that there's such a thing as a fear of man? Okay. And I don't care how many black belts you have in karate or anything else like that. Maybe you can beat someone up physically. But I'm talking about the fear of man in terms of what that person can do to you in in terms of your job. Something in the neighborhood, your house, your home, or whatever. Or what someone's opinion or authority would have over you. Okay? You You know, you have a boss at work. All right? 
Some people get so nervous and afraid if their boss calls them into the office. Okay, you know, and, you know, and, and, and that's a fear of man. Okay, you respect your boss. The word, the word of God talks about respecting those in authority. But you do not fear any man. Amen? Amen? Okay, so our, um, the spirit, verse number 16. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. The spirit, the first spirit, there's a capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. All right. You are you are an heir. You're, You're an heir to God's kingdom. Uh, verse 18, for I reckon, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be, be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subject, subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The creature meaning creation. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it, okay? That's one of the scriptures that you should re- remember when that devil puts that thought in your mind, plants that doubt there, and says that the thing that you're praying about or the, the person or the situation that you're praying about is not going to work. You just might as well just roll over and die because you can't see a solution, okay? You're sitting down while you're, you're imagining and you're saying, you're, you know, if it's a financial matter, you're sitting down, you're running through the numbers and you're saying, boy, I don't see how that's going to work. If it's something dealing with an individual, a loved one, oh boy, well, I'm going to go say that to him or say that to her. And boy, I don't see this being received well when I say this to him or say this to her. You know, and you start worrying and thinking about the worst there or whatever the situation might be. Okay, okay. So then all of a sudden it feels like this whole activity, this whole plan of mine is futile. I might as well just give up. Well, the word says, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for it? Okay? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it, or with faith. Okay? So it's when you don't see the solution to the problem, it's when you can't figure it out, Knowing that you've already asked of God, you've knocked, knowing that he's going to answer, that he's going to answer the door, that he's going to come bail you out. Because you can't see the outcome of this in your own imagination, okay, then you have to, with hope and with faith, know that it's going to work out. Because the other thing to help pull down that thought is all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. Amen? Amen? So you see, so, so, so hoping for something that is not seen is, is indeed hope. But something that is already in front of you, there's no reason for you to hope for that because it's already there. It, it's a given. It's a given. You, you know, if I go, say I'm going to lean on this pulpit, you know, and I go to lean on it, I'm not going to hope that it's there because I see it. <laughs> 
You know, I see it. I'm not, I have to hope for it, you know. Now I stand out here and I hear Holy Spirit say, land on the pulpit. And I don't see a pulpit there. Well, then I got to have some faith because it's unseen. But I don't hope for something that I see. Okay, alrighty. So it's the things that are not seen. Those are the things that should give you the most hope or the most expectation or the most faith, most faith because all the other scriptures tell you that God is not going to let you fail. Okay? So again, in terms of pulling, pulling down imaginations, the devil will do just the opposite of that. The devil will say, well, see, that pulpit is not there. You know, or even if you lean on it, it's not going to support you, whatever it is. He'll, some lie to make you just, just all of a sudden start worrying about it. See, so that's that imagination because now you've taken that thought and you've pulled it down into your mind and you're thinking about it and then it winds up just making you miserable and you're losing sleep and maybe physical things, palpitations, and blood pressure going up the whole nine yards. Okay? So we see there what it says uh, um, about, about hope. Uh, verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This is praying in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows what you have need, what you have need of, and so it's the Holy Spirit through you that is praying. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, for them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, Jesus was the firstborn again. Moreover, whom uh, he did not, uh, he did predestinate, that them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to those things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Please underline that. If God be for us, who can be against us. That's an excellent scripture to bring that thought into captivity. When you've got that imagination that's running wild on you, you have to remember if God is for you, then who can be against you? What situation in your life can exalt itself against God? He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Whom shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, and who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now this, I love these scriptures here. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Um, now, nay, all these things, uh, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, are you persuaded? I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That should be enough right there to make you hold on to the fact and to be able to pull down any sort of imaginations that would try to, to uh, invade your mind so to speak. Alright? Pull them down and just remember that nothing in this, in this existence can separate you from the love of Christ. Amen? Nothing. Nothing. And the very last scripture here in closing, let's go to Matthew. Because I've said a whole lot here in this time, but it all rests on one thing. 
Matthew 21. Okay, Matthew 21, verse number 18. Okay, I've said a whole lot here, but all of this, or or none of this works if you can't grasp this. Okay, Matthew 21, verse number 18. Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward from here. For it... Forever, And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, remember I said now the word verily means here comes a truth, a dynamite truth. Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, if you have faith and doubt not, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Okay? So everything that I've talked about here only works if you have faith. Okay? Everything that we've talked about here only works if you have faith. If you cannot believe that um, God is indeed who he says he is, and if you do not doubt, verily I say unto you, if you have faith, and doubt not, and doubt not. So when that imagination, when that thought, when that, that spirit of doubt is playing around in your head, don't let that imagination persist and just stay there where you're dwelling or where you're dwelling on it. You know, remember, first of all, everything that God said is true, and that I have enough faith to believe that what God said can be, will indeed be. And take that thought, pull it down into captivity, you know, in your, in your mind, march that, 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 that thought, that imagination over to Jesus and say, Jesus, Jesus you take this thought, I'm not going to care about it. I'm not going to carry this care any longer and simply give it to God. And when you give things to God, that's when, that's when, as the song said, when you give things to God, that's when he can step in. Amen. So do not let imaginations get into your life and just drag you down to the point that you're not functioning almost. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.